a few minutes early, but we are live here on Post Loons. It is August 30th, 2023, and myself, Jeremy Rushing, and Domino Casabazonio are here to break down Minnesota United's 3-0 win over Colorado Rapids at Allianz Field. Little midweek W for the Loons. Dom, usually we're, uh, you know, we're talking a little bit of loons, some lower leagues, some, you know, all things community soccer on the 10,000 Pitches podcast. If you guys are watching on YouTube or Twitter, you can see we actually have the 10K uh, overlay uh, here for you. But no, your eyes do not deceive you. It is not 10,000 Pitches. It is Post Loons with Jeremy Rushing and Domino Cazabazonio. Dom, first off, how are you doing tonight? Second of all, give me your initial sort of uh, initial thoughts on the 3-0 win that we saw. Uh, doing well. Uh, it seems like a uh, law of physics is it's inevitable that we're going to be talking on uh, on a Wednesday. Yes. Uh, no, no matter must what. Must happen. Uh, as far as the game goes, yeah, I mean, I, I think that's a at the result level, that's a result that the teams needed, and it's a very encouraging result. I think we'll get into the probably the fact that that game was a, a little less straightforward than the scoreline might might uh, reflect. Uh, so there, there's there's things to break down, but nonetheless, you know, you look at these last three games, which we, we haven't talked about yet uh, on, on any podcast yet. So these last three games, these two wins and the draw against the Sounders, uh, and I think you're putting together a really uh, strong streak here. You know, the last time we did 10K, I, I mentioned that uh, that was going in back into the MLS season from Leeds Cup, and I just mentioned that the thing I was curious about is will the positives of the Leeds Cup campaign translate at all into regular season form? That's a question a bunch of teams had coming back into the MLS season. And I think it's fair to say that the answer to that for Minnesota United has been a yes. Uh, the team has looked pretty good uh, week to week, game to game, uh, certainly tonight included. So uh, all that to say, I think a, a night full of positives and maybe a couple um, mistakes to learn from. Yeah, you know, it wasn't it was three nil, but it was far from a perfect performance for Minnesota United. And we will get to that. But before we do some housekeeping items here, um, if you are watching on YouTube, feel free to drop a question or a comment in the chat. That's kind of what this post loans exists for. It is kind of our post game forum for for you fans and your supporters and everybody who loves and follows Minnesota United to sort of air your thoughts, air your feelings, kind of good or bad, positive or negative on the result. We want to hear from you in the chat, and we will address those questions and comments on the air as the show progresses. Also, while you're here, if you could give us a thumbs up on the video, that would be great. Also, if you're not subscribed to the YouTube channel, please do that by hitting that subscribe button below, and uh, you'll be notified when we drop a new video here on the channel. Let's get to a few of these questions and comments down before we get into our three things. Uh, Foot Trap 10 says, let's start ITS in San Jose. He could be the catalyst for uh, to spring Pookie on a late season run. I mean, I think a lot of people have been banging the drum for Ishmael Tajiri Shradi to uh, get a start or get you know a, a more of a chance than he has gotten so far. He has been plagued with some injury problems um, since he came with the Minnesota United. Had been uh, you know dealing with a couple knocks, but got his first start tonight. And man, he was he was huge. And Dom, I know this is one of your three things, but given that foot trap ten is uh, is bringing it up here, let's go ahead and get yep. in to Izzy's performance tonight. Um, you know, we had seen a pretty good combo of Dotson and Rosales against the Sounders, but obviously it's Jury Shradi, a more traditional winger, just kind of brings an extra element to that wing position. And, uh, you know, talk about Spring and Pookie. I mean, he was the assist on, on Pookie's first goal. And, uh, you know, I, I can't remember how long. So maybe it could be the catalyst for this. Yeah, you know, um, the, what, what I wrote on my three things as my note for this was that Tajuri Shradi can still ball. Uh, because I, I think the question um, with him, with this team, has been, you know, he, he's made some cameos, obviously, coming off the bench. Uh, there's been good performances. There's been uh, a good moments of creation, of scoring chances. Uh, but I think the question that, you know, floated around and was fueling the, the, the hope to see him start was, what does he look like as a long-term player, you know, long-term solution for the team as a 90-minute, as a 80-minute player? Uh, we got a chance to see tonight what that looks like. Uh, and it looked pretty pretty good, you know. Essentially, yeah. two assists. The the uh, Reynoso goal is not technically an assist because it obviously is, is deflected by the goalkeeper, but creates sure. a goal more or less uh, yeah. twice on the night. Uh, overall, just looked good. You know, a lot of the the stats from when I peeped that were good passing percentage, that stuff like that. You know, a really solid performance all around. 
Uh, and so, yeah, it raises the question of, you know, how serious of a contender week in, week out is he for a starting spot? You mentioned, you know, Dotson and um, uh, Rosales last week. It's hard to know exactly how to compare those these two games, right? Obviously, very different opponents. And I do think that's probably the one thing I would say before getting too hyped up about his performance tonight is that, you know, the, he was doing very well against a team that is quite bad. Uh, yes. and, and so that that is that is worth keeping in mind yeah. uh, when you're then comparing Dotson and, and Rosales playing against one of the best teams in the league. So, you know, th th there's that asterisk to it. But all that being said, he certainly put enough on the pitch, I think, tonight to, to show that he very much deserves to be in that conversation, very much deserves to be considered by Heath for those minutes. Yeah, I, I think he earned a bit of a bigger opportunity to continue to prove himself, right? Um, but back to your point about Colorado, the, the the thing that pops into my mind when I think of this this match is that part in Step Brothers where they put the bunk beds together and then they're like, oh, there's so much room for activities. Got so many activities I could do. That's what it felt like every time Minnesota United was attacking Colorado. It just felt like there was so much time and space for them to operate yeah. every single time. Not too much pressure on the ball, not too much uh, you know, getting into passing lanes or anything like that from Colorado defensively. They had a lot, Minnesota had a lot of time to do basically whatever they wanted uh, against Colorado's defense. And credit to, to Jury Shradi, he took advantage, an inch perfect pass to Puki on that goal. That's a run that Puki has been trying to make time in and time out since he stepped on the field for Minnesota United, has not been able to be found on that run. Um, to Jury Shradi slipped that pass in there between two or three defenders and, you know, sprung Pookie on, in on goal. So um, maybe that is something that could help continue Timu Pookie's, um, you know, hopefully some more some more goals and some more confidence for him as we move forward here. Uh, Justin Bergman said, I missed the game. I need the details. 3-0 are the details. We'll get into more of this on Post Loons as we go on here. So make sure you keep watching and listening. Justin, uh, Chris Alphabee says, Woot. Yes. Um, I think the biggest thing for me is this is only Minnesota United's third league win on the season. And it is August 30th. I think it was just, it was so good to hear Wonderwall in a league match. Um, after a league match, I should say, um, a match that really counted a match that Minnesota United more or less a Adrian Heath, you know, felt short of calling it a must win in the postgame press conference. But I think at this point in the season where you are in the standings, given the, the competition that you're playing in this particular match, um, anything less than three points would be borderline catastrophic for your playoff hopes in this type of match. This is a match you would look back on and say, how did we not get three? if you end up below the playoff line. This is a match you would look back on as one match where, man, we had to get more from it. Yeah. And they did. Well, just just to say, you know, let, let's not parse words here. We've literally seen Minnesota United mess up chances like this. Last Correct. year, they literally had the same kind of opportunity for big points during the playoff match, uh, playoff race and, and missed the mark. So yep. doing that, however obvious it may feel, this is not something we should be taking for granted with this team in, in the grand scheme of things. Uh, getting it done tonight is is not an automatic, and it's a big deal. Uh, Dave Valensky, is Bongi going to be healthy for the next game? Day-to-day, um, -day, Adrian Heath still said. Um, and, and I think I wrote this in the Loons Daily Newsletter today, actually. That, that I think it's knee soreness for Bongi. So there is no long-term issue here. But I think the team is being very smart and being very calculated and very um, slow with how they – handle this uh, Bongi situation because you're not only talking about the next month for Bongi or a playoff run with Bongi this year. He's 23 years old. He has proven to potentially be the future of your franchise. Um, you need to do whatever you can to keep that asset as healthy as humanly possible and as able to continue his growth and continue trying to reach that potential that, uh, you know, he's shown he has this season. So um, even if he is, you know, ready to go. Maybe there's not too much of a, of a risk of injuring it further. I have no problem with Minnesota United taking this as slow as they, as they need to with Bongi and his return, because again, you don't want to mortgage the future for trying to get eighth in the Western conference in 2023. Yeah. It's just not a player that you can afford to, to, to create a long-term problem with, um, mm -hmm. you know, not, not to randomly again, kind of call back to the past, but you know, this team and many other teams, but this team has, had players in the past come back too early and it causes problems. So 
Yeah. Um, that, that's that's something you want to avoid. A young guy like that, I, I think for what it's worth, they have a lot of other options for his position right now. So it's not so much a dire, as much as it would be great to have him back. And I think he uh, excels at his role with the team because you have a long list of people to substitute for him. Uh, I feel like there's not as much pressure to um, to force him back early. Yeah, for sure. And Mr. Jeldy piping in, actually saying, uh, you know, kind of calling back to a conversation we had, but I think there's another element we could talk about here with uh, Tajiri Shradi's performance. You look good in Bongi's spot. This is this is a Minnesota United team that has been missing one of its most crucial players, potentially its most crucial player, period, over the last two and a half games. Um, and in those games, they have gotten seven points on the road at New York, at home against Seattle, at home against Colorado. And the wing play has been brilliant especially over the last two games. Dotson and Rosales were really good on Sunday. Tajiri Shradi and Dotson were both really good tonight. Um, I think that was a big question mark and a big area of concern when you see a guy like Bongi go down is, is who is going to who is going to step up on the wings. You know, Fragapane hasn't really shown much this year, and maybe we can talk a little bit more about you know his current standing in the depth chart and with the team. Um, you know, Song Ben has been very up and down, but Adrian Heath kind of rolled the dice and played two central midfielders at wing on Sunday, and it kind of worked out. And then you bring in Tajiri Shradi into the mix tonight, and it it worked out even better. Um, so I think the wing depth is something that's been a big, uh, pleasant surprise over these last two matches. And it does bring a lot of optimism about what this team could bring, because you do need depth on the stretch. You need depth in the playoffs. You need to be able to bring guys on in the second half of a match you can trust to to bring huge, huge contribution in those spots. And I think the more of a run out these guys can get now and increase their confidence, um, you know, to be called upon in those spots, I think is only going to do Minnesota United good once they get to those really, really high leverage situations, whether it's, you know, last week of the season decision day or playoffs. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I'll, I'll even just sort of connect this to, to one of my three things. My, my first three things was just, um, I, I said that, you know, Minnesota United needs to, to be a multi-goal threat team to 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 move forward with any sort of momentum from the position they're in and what i mean by that is you know to be a team where you feel like more than one to three players can score goals yes um and and <laughs> at times it's felt like that the negative version of that has been the case with this team uh and, and so to your point to see bonwane uh be absent and have other people stepping in obviously reynoso is, is scoring a lot of those goals right now but yep. to have other people contributing assists, other people scoring at times. You even have, you know, tonight where Tajori Shradi, you know, has a good shot that maybe on another day is a goal and then it creates a goal anyways. You know, things like that uh, it, uh, is incredibly important to a team to have any sort of real momentum going into the postseason uh, and mm -hmm. certainly when you're fighting for a postseason spot in the first place. So, uh, yeah, it, it's really encouraging. As much as it would be great to just have um, one I'd be healthy and around, it is great to know that this team is at a spot where a key player can be missing and they're still figuring out their way through games. Um, that that's, that's huge. That's a thing this team has not always been able to say about itself. Um, so yeah, I, I think, I think that's a, a massive positive sign for the future. Eric Grady Pipeson says really impressed with ITS. You know, what's funny for 13 and a half minutes into this podcast episode, we have talked about Ismail Shuri Shradi deservedly. So for a majority of that time, person we have not talked about is the man who scored a brace in this game. Emmanuel Reynoso with the PK early on, really brilliant move uh, to uh, earn the PK. Uh, he leaves a Colorado defender in the dust and the defender has no choice, but to just basically tackle him. Um, he just like really just brought him down with two hands. And then, uh, you know, he converts the PK and then uh, off the, off the rebound from the Tajiri Shradi shot that we talked about, um, he puts away the he puts away that point blank effort. Uh, really good uh, job from him to be in the right place at the right time there. Amanda Reynoso since returning has he's impressed me in multiple ways. Um, one, he really seems to be, and I don't want to necessarily bring this up as something that he for sure wasn't doing before, but to me it's very very obvious this season he is his team first guy this season um he really seems to be he's all smiles out there you see him interacting with his teammates and you see him getting getting involved with his teammates on the on the pitch 
and the way they're connecting with each other and trusting his teammates. Like, hey, if I pass this guy the ball, he's going to do the right thing, potentially get it to me back, and, and we're going we're gonna to go. We're going to get something out of this. Um, that has been huge, I think, to uh, what Minnesota United has been doing in the attack and sort of opening up Minnesota United's attack. But not just that. I mean, you look if you watch, and we have a really good angle on it in the press box here, but if you watch on the broadcast and you watch this game specifically back, how involved he is getting in back pressing and getting involved and in, in getting into those those dual situations um, and and really putting a lot of pressure on the opposing defense. Um, just almost relentless. It's yeah. It's been a lot of fun to watch him on and off the ball this season. And he has been – he's given Minnesota United whatever they need in a match. Oh, you need me to assist Bangi Longwani for two goals? Boom, I'll do that. You need me to score two goals? Boom, I'll do that. Hey, you need me, need me to back press and force a turnover? That leads to a really good opportunity for us? I'm going to do that as well. He has been just such a, a – um, a revelation seems like a very like intense word to use, but he has been this season. It's just been an awesome to see, and that's something we, we talked about before Reynoso came back is how does he integrate back in this team? You know, with with what he had been doing specifically last season, it was a lot of kind of solo type stuff um, where he was going to kind of take the ball and, and do what he wanted with it. Where this year, it just seems to be, he just seems to be so, so connected with the teammates around him in a way that maybe we haven't seen uh, over his first few years in Minnesota prior. Yeah, that's a good point. It's kind of interesting too, to, to think that, he is more, you know, at least to our eye, more connected to this current group because to some degree it's a group that doesn't include the guys that we sort of thought were his guys in the attack, the Fragapanes, the Amarillas. Um, so it's kind of interesting to see that. But but no, I, I don't disagree. Uh, it, it, it seems like he's grown more into that role this season since his return. Uh, I think you're obviously seeing that with some of the chances he's creating for other people, but also like you mentioned, some of the pressing some of the off the ball work that he's doing. Uh, I think, I think that's just a, a massive asset to have. I, I think, you know, in the same way that this team needs um, to be multi goal threat, it also needs to, you know, be a team where the goal threats are, are doing the, the hard work off the ball too. Um, can't, this isn't really a team in a position to afford um, uh, anybody relaxing. So uh, yeah, I, I, I agree that tonight that was on full display he and and the whole front line i thought did a very good job of of forcing colorado into awkward positions uh when they had a chance uh chris alfby on the press says thought the press is really good today would like to see a bit more of that moving forward um yeah i think colorado did not handle the press well i think when they look at colorado on tape they probably say okay this team is right for the picking if we can back press and force some turnovers they're a team that's probably going to crumble and we kind of saw that as well. We'll talk about kind of the the, the other side of that in a bit. Um, but yeah, I think you know the press worked really well. Maybe there's some 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 things they can take from this and move on uh, and and use the rest of the way. But Dom, you have a point in here about uh, Joseph Rosales that uh, is is an interesting one. We've talked about him a little bit in terms of him and Dotson on the wings. But if you want to go a little bit more in depth on how you feel like uh, Rosales's game has sort of evolved over these last, especially these last couple of weeks. Yeah, uh, yeah. My 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 third third three things uh, is just that Rosales. I I I see Rosales now as a proper multi-positional player for this team. Uh, in the same way that people talk about Dotson, same way people talk about Lod, mm-hmm. um, whoever else you can think of. Uh, I think he's shown for this team and also you know with other teams with the national team, for example, uh, he's shown that he can play a wide range of positions well. Uh, are there potentially going to be people that are specialists in those positions that can do it better than him? Sure. But is he very solid at all of them? I think he's shown that at this point, uh, when you, especially when you combine all his records from national team, from club teams. Um, and, and, you know, today, for example, puts in a huge shift, starts over other options at, mm-hmm. at left back, then puts in a, a huge performance. I thought he was quite good. Um, if you hadn't told me, if I didn't know who he was, I would have thought that was just where he was supposed to be. Um, yeah. So, you know, I, I think that's a huge asset. I think he's mostly in his time being at this team, mostly been thought of uh, as the other Honduran central midfielder yep. <laughs> on Minnesota United. Um, and, 
you know, ironically in that position, I think he's also potentially uh, moved ahead on the on the tier list from uh, Ariaga potentially. But uh, but beyond that, I think he's shown that he's more than even just that position. I think I think he can kind of be slotted where we need to slot him, and he'll put in a good performance. Uh, I think that's a huge asset. I think that's a huge part of his game. On the commentary, they were mentioning, I think it was Taylor Carr that that made the point that sometimes being a utility player, as some would, would call it, can be a, a can be a, a, a gift or a curse. Uh, it can, mm, it sure. can help or damage a career. Um, I think Minnesota United make the most of, of what Rosales can bring to this team by being a utility player like that and being young, full of energy, full yep. of determination, it seems like. Um, I, I just think it, it just increases his stock as a player, I think, that he's showing just how many ways he can help a team through difficult matches or through or you know competitive matches. Um, so I was really impressed today just by him showing you know, we've, we've seen him play a similar position for Honduras in the past, um, but to, to see him put a, uh, almost a full 90 in that position today, in addition to some of the other performances and other positions that he's he's had in the last month or two, uh, just very impressed uh, by his continued growth. Yeah, you can definitely, I think Adrian Heath said it earlier this season when talking about Robin Lloyd, you can be a victim of your own versatility at times. You know, if, if you play enough, if you show enough versatility, that means there's a lot of appearances potentially you're not playing in your preferred position, right? Um, so, but, I mean, Rosales is at that point, he's 22 years old. Um, you know, I think being a versatile player is something that I agree with you. I think it only helps his stock as a player uh, moving forward. I actually asked Heath about Rosales' versatility, if it's something that he knew when they were scouting him or if it's something that Rosales has just sort of picked up since he's been in Minnesota or if it's something that he's tried to get him to be more versatile. And he said the first time he saw Rosales or one of the first times he saw Rosales while they were scouting was at the 2020, which ended up being in 2021 Olympics, where he's playing uh, for the U20 uh, Honduran national team. He said in, in, the in, in the first game they played, he started in central midfield, he moved to the wing, and then he ended up at fullback. Um, so that versatility, I guess, has always sort of been there. And Adrian Heath loves those kind of Swiss Army knife type players where you can plug them in in different positions at different times and you know they're going to put in a good shift. Um, so, you know, that doesn't surprise me uh, at all that, uh, you know, he's he's utilizing Rosales in that way. And Rosales is flourishing, honestly, over these last couple of weeks. It's been it's been really cool to see this yeah. sort of uh, reemergence um, on the on the depth chart as a as a prime player that Adrian Heath has to, you know, pick from i think just one uh, there's a lot more to talk about but just one more quick note on that i would just say is I, I think and this is you know this isn't necessarily going to be the case with rosales you know there's a lot of time left in his career we'll see what happens but uh, i do think you know again utility players that can be a problem for, for them sometimes i i think true multi-positional utility players are players that there is no such thing as they don't get to play in their position yeah. Um, and there are guys out there, not necessarily even in MLS, but just in general in world soccer at various levels that you can think of. It. It's not really so much a thing that they can be played out of position because yeah. they don't have a position. They yep. truly are a multi-positional player that just has skill sets that they use wherever the manager puts them. Uh, and, you know, it's probably too early to, to throw that title onto him, but... Um, you know, just with some of the stuff we've seen in the last couple of weeks, it does feel like the essence of that is is possible for him, and I think that's exciting. Yeah, definitely is. Uh, we got some more um, comments in the chat of people having conversations in the chat, which I love. <laughs> um, Dave Walensky says, "How long do you think we will have Bongi for before a European club comes calling?" That is an interesting hypothetical. I think we, even though Bongi has been incredible this year, I think we might still be pretty a little early for that type of conversation. But I do think if you're Minnesota United from a business perspective, you need to sort of be planning for that. What do you do? Um, do you invest more in him, i.e., you know, hit him with the DP tag um, if he continues this, this ascent? Or do you try to make a business decision and uh, get the most money you can for him in a sale, whether that be to Europe, whether that be to you know Saudi Arabia, whether that be you know in GAM or TAM to another MLS club. You know that's there, there's business decisions that that would have to be made with Bongi for sure. With the caveat, he continues this form because it's you know he has been great this season, but it hasn't even been a full season of this yet. 
So we need to see, obviously, a larger sample size from him. But I have no doubt he is being looked at by a lot of clubs and a lot of places right now. And he's on, you know, being scouted, I'm sure, for a lot of teams currently. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if he has eyes on it, not necessarily from the highest levels, but but maybe from, uh, you know, I think of like the Belgian league or maybe the French second division or something like that. I, I could see a lot of those clubs being interested in him. Um, that's not necessarily even a reflection of just what I think his, his ceiling is, but more a reflection of how scouts work when they're scouting a young South African forward playing in MLS. Um, but, uh, no, I mean, you know, Minnesota United should, should certainly be keeping that in consideration. The fact that people are going to be interested in the long term. I think at some point the club will probably have to make that decision and, and get what they can for him. But, uh, but up until then, I, I, I hope he, uh, continues to keep the streak going for Minnesota. Okay, let's get back to the game tonight. I want to talk about the one, the one big glaring, I, I guess, um, downside I saw from Minnesota mm-hmm. tonight. Um, they were very sloppy at the back at times. Yeah. It felt like they knew they could get away with being careless at the back tonight because of the competition they were playing, and that is that that obviously could could lead to. Some, some bad trends, some bad habits, some, you know, you know, you play almost any other team in the league. And a lot of the, a lot of tonight is, is Colorado bashing. And I, I don't mean to, I know the Rapids are a very storied organization. Uh, Robin Frazier's a great coach, you know, but they are just, wow, they're not great this year. Yeah. Um, they honestly might be the worst MLS team I've ever watched play in person. And I watched 2018 Minnesota United. So uh, I didn't watch 2017 Minnesota United. First first Minnesota United game I went to was the <laughs> opener in 2018. Um, but uh, still, that 2018, 2018 team was a very good team. Darren Contreras was amazing. That was about it. Um, we'll get to him in a minute too. But um, with all that being said, um, it was a bit concerning the amount of turnovers, the amount of giveaway, the amount of free kicks they conceded in really dangerous positions. Rosales almost gave up a PK, probably could have been called for a penalty in that situation. Um, fortunately, wasn't, but I, I probably wouldn't have, wouldn't have glared too much if the whistle was blown for a penalty um, in that situation. So um, I think just got to tighten it up at the back. What we saw in the attack tonight was great. You cannot get away with sort of that carelessness they had in the defensive half um, against nearly any other team in the league. Yeah. And you're going to need to get results against these other teams in the league. You do you don't play Colorado anymore, so no, there's no points to be had there. So you're I mean you're going to have to tighten up in the back if you want to get these results uh, and and continue to you know solidify playoff positioning down the stretch. Uh, but that was that was a bit of a of a glaring downside to me tonight for Minnesota and, and an otherwise great performance. A three no wins a three no win. Like you're not going to scoff at that, but at the same time defensively it just it just felt a little careless and sloppy at times for me yeah no i don't disagree there there were moments especially you know it's funny in the first 15 minutes i actually think colorado's plan was going quite well um and actually there was they got a, a shot on target 20 seconds in yeah well it's that well and i yeah i was gonna get to that uh you know about 15 minutes in uh taylor Vicar kind of did a little bit of commentator's curse and he was literally talking about how well he thought the colorado plan was winning then the penalty got called yep. um but you know those, those first 15 minutes minnesota looks uh, under a lot of pressure like you said uh if, if you allow a better team to get a shot off like we did in those first 30 seconds uh mm-hmm. you might be playing a goal down by the time that penalty gets called and that might completely change the game uh, especially in the first half, just a lot of opportunity allowed to Colorado. I mean, you know, even in the second half, right at the end there, uh, there was a, a big save from Dane St. Clair to stop it from going 3-1. And, of course, 3-1 is not so bad, but chances like that were being allowed kind of through the game. Uh, and, and so that's a problem. You can't – one, you can't be doing that, but two, it, it's a little concerning to know that that defense was able to be beaten like that by a team that is just functionally not good this season. Yeah. Um, so, you know, like we've been saying through the episode on, on various notes, it does mean that going into the next week, you do probably put the caveat on this wasn't necessarily a three nil performance, uh, you know, against a different team. This is maybe a two, one win or something like that. Mm. Um, not so much a three nil. So, you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised if the team's aware of that. I'm sure Adrian Heath would be aware of that component of this win. 
but yeah, it, it's something to keep in mind. You know, even with the conversation about uh, uh, Tushari you know, and how good he looked and, and all that kind of stuff. You know, how good Rosales looked. I mean, to be honest, you know, we were talking about that before, but it, it, it's it's worth putting into context that they looked as good as they did against a team that uh, I think now is the worst team in the league, uh, uh, results-wise. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it, it's just something to keep in mind. Uh, for what it's worth, you know, I, I've seen Minnesota United teams that I, I have plenty of confidence in do worse against teams in this position of the table. So it, it, it's not so that they didn't earn the win, but, um, yeah, it, it is important to say maybe a little grounded that this was not, you know, a 3-0 win over FC Cincinnati yes. <laughs> or, or Atlanta United for that matter. Uh, you know, it was it was against Colorado team that is clearly struggling pretty heavily. I want to bring up Eric Grady's uh, comment because I think this maybe has something to do with what we saw at the back tonight. I thought Trap looked lost at times. Not sure whether to step up or drop back. This Trap Gregish defensive midfield pairing is interesting because both guys are natural eights. Right. Jan Gregish is not a natural six. Kind of played on the right side of the central midfield, which in Adrian Heath's double pivot system is more the six, but when you're, it just, Kervin Arriaga, uh, okay, after Ozzy Alonso left this team, this team really didn't have much number six quality to it. Kervin Arriaga sort of played himself into that role and actually has played a, a six role very well for this team on his day. Hassani Dotson, very capable of playing a six. The trap Dotson midfield actually is one of my favorite midfield pairings that this team has put out this season because both guys understand their roles. But when you start putting, you know, trap Gregush and, and some of those other, other pairings together, I, th I think there's something to Eric Grady's comment here that the left foot doesn't necessarily know what the right foot's doing um, and vice versa. And it can create a lot of confusion on, on what to do. Um, we saw Gregush who again, on the right side of the defensive midfield, that's supposed to be the number six position on this team. So that's supposed to be the more defensively focused central midfielder. We saw him kind of get up in the attack. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. But then it causes Trap to sort of rethink his role. Okay, maybe I need to drop back. Maybe I and I think it just creates a lot of confusion and it creates a lot of you're relying more on instinct than you are solidified roles in the central midfield. And I think when you have two guys who are used to playing the same position um, and one of them's playing a different position, that can lead to a lot of uh, uh, messiness and that can lead to a lot of uh, mistimings and miscommunications. And again, just, just kind of not knowing what the other one's doing. It also could just be just, could just be as simple as these guys don't have a lot of time together um, as a midfield pairing. So maybe they need to get used to each other as well, but Without Ariaga and without Dotson, um, if Dotson's going to be playing right wing or right back or left wing or wherever he's going to play, um, if he's not playing in the central midfield, then this team doesn't really have a six right now. Right. Yeah, and I think the concern is, you know, those little miscommunications or misunderstandings or, you know, whatever you want to call them, as as both Eric's comment and, and your comments are, are alluding to, is, you know, those little things create those little spaces, those little errors that can decide games. Colorado weren't good enough to make much of any of it, but there are plenty of teams in MLS that are. Uh, and, and if this team wants to, you know, do better in the playoffs than it did last year, they're definitely going to be playing some of those teams. So uh, the concern would be, you know, by the time those kinds of challenges arise, will there be a midfield in place that has that improved communication, whether it be these two and it just is better or, you know, someone else is, is playing one of the positions. Um, yeah, it, you know, it, it was not crisp. It was not clean. Uh, a, a team with better finishing than Colorado, which, to be frank, is literally every other team in the league, um, would have made more of those opportunities. And at least half of those teams would have probably at least put one goal in the net by, by the end of the game. So um, that, that that's concerning. It, it, it's a concerning thing for the future. Um, there's a lot of pieces being moved around this team right now between new players, between injured players, between players moving position. Um and, and I think it just leaves uh, some, some big questions for Heath to figure out. Uh, for what it's worth, in the midst of figuring that out, the team's doing well. That's, mm -hmm. a, that's a great place to be overall. But he, the, the question, I think, for probably a lot of people is, 
will those answers have been found by the time we're at the the back stretch of this regular season or the playoff games where it's probably going to be the most important? All right, time to take a quick break on the show. If you need some answers regarding buying or selling your home in and around the Twin Cities, the man who can give you those answers, or I guess the, the company that can give you those answers is Pence Holmes. The man is Nate. Nate Pence owns Pence Holmes, so he can also give you those answers. But Pence Holmes has a lot of capable people who can also help you have those conversations, answer any questions you might have about, uh, about the process. And uh, help you take a lot of the stress off that process too. You know, buying, selling, doing both. You know, a lot of people are doing both. A lot of people are selling their house uh, so they can buy a new one. And that process is extremely stressful. Take it from me. I just did it like two years ago. And it's not that fun. But what uh, what can be, um, you know, what, what can make it, I guess, take a little, as much of that stress off your shoulders as humanly possible is working with the team at pencils because they have the team they have the technology they have the capability uh they have the experience they know the market um you know if, if you watch any of these like youtube gurus or social media people and they say okay the market is a certain way this is how it is and this is how you beat the market it's not true because the market it will fluctuates all the time a and b the market affects everybody differently every situation differently it's so situational it's so individual how you are affected by the current market that nobody can say that this is going to be this way for you because unless they talk to you unless they work with you unless they understand your situation and they understand the market you're in um nate and his team have been helping people buy and sell houses in the twin cities for a very long time making them very happy as a result look up any place you see reviews for pence homes whether that's google whether that's yelp zillow better business bureau you know, look on their website. It doesn't matter. People have a great experience when they work with Pence Homes. So if you're in that situation where you're even considering, hey, maybe we want to, you know, upsize. Maybe we want to, maybe we want to downsize. Maybe we just want a different house. Maybe we want to move to a different neighborhood. Maybe we move to a different side of the Twin Cities. If you're starting to have those conversations, um, I would highly recommend just, just giving Nate and his team a call and having a free consultation, a free conversation about your situation, what your goals are, what your budget is, and they can help you put a plan in place, whether that's a two-month plan, whether that's a two-year plan. It doesn't matter. Nate and his team can help you. So hit them up, pencehomes.com, P-E-N-T-Z, homes.com, or email Nate directly, Nate, N-A-T-E, at pencehomes.com. Big thanks to our friends at Pence Homes for supporting the show. And John Marthaler brings this up anytime we talk about Pence Homes. I think that's a great point. Don't you want a realtor who you can talk about the Minnesota United double pivot with? Don't you want a realtor who you bring up the name Timu Puki and they understand what you're talking about and can talk to you about uh, him getting his his first goal in a, in a month or so uh, tonight? You know, that's that's the kind of conversations you can have with Nate and his team of Pencil, I promise you. So, so hit him up. You'll, you'll be glad you did. Um, I know we went through our three things, Dom, but as, as we look at these last few games and we look ahead to the San Jose game on Saturday, they're going to be without DJ Taylor. Picked up his fifth yellow card of the season. So while it's not back-to-back yellows that have gotten him an accumulation suspension, um, it's his fifth of the season means he is getting a one-game suspension for that. Um, so that will take place on Saturday. So they'll be missing him. Uh, third game in seven days uh, for Minnesota United. So they're going to be rotating anyways. Um, San Jose is a much better team. Than this Colorado team we saw tonight, um, you know how how are you feeling about the Loons? Not only heading into San Jose, but I mean we're heading into a really important home stretch of the season here, um, where the next few games could really make or break their positioning for for where they're going to be at season's end. I think overall this team looks like it's in a pretty good place. I mean, for all the um, sort of uh, realistic uh, comments we've made about you know this result being against Colorado, they have gotten good results in the last couple of weeks against teams that are much better than Colorado too. So um, the the, the team looks like it's in a good place. Taylor missing is obviously a big piece to be missing for uh, a game on the road like that. That being said, it does feel like this team is at a place now where it kind of has a lot of guys it can kind of shift around. I think that's probably a problem that they'll be able to figure out um, at least solidly. Uh, and, and so, yeah, I mean, I, I think Minnesota is in about as good of a place as it's been, uh, well, I was going to say all season. Obviously, the start of the season was was pretty strong. But uh, since then, um, and, and, you know, they, they, they look like a team that has a certain amount of confidence, a certain amount of momentum to them. 
they have a place on the table that is a very uh, important asset to have. Uh, it's a position you can really feel you can defend and you can get something out of. Uh, and I think that's very encouraging. So, uh, you know, it, it's a long journey still before they've secured anything. But it does feel like, you know, after that sort of Leeds Cup roller coaster, it does feel like uh, Adrian Heath has, has this team going in in a collective direction. It feels like the players seem bought into that direction. A lot of guys putting a lot of effort in across the pitch. Um, so, you know, I, I think there's plenty of reason to be positive. We'll see what the San Jose game looks like. Uh, but I, I think these last three games would leave me very hopeful that they take points away from that uh, and that they continue to take points because they, they do seem to, in general, be in a very solid um, shape right now. Looking as things stand in the, in the Western Conference table, uh, based on the results tonight and the way things are currently going in the late games, Minnesota is actually currently seventh in the Western Conference table. Because you have RSL uh, who are losing to the Galaxy right now. Or excuse me, RSL are losing to Portland. And San Jose are losing to Galaxy. So both of those results bode well for Minnesota United. And uh, you know their, their standings uh, come week's end here, come, come match day's end. Um, you know, once we get all the results in tonight, uh, we, we said you want to be at least, I mean, obviously hosting a playoff game would be great, but you want to be seventh or better, uh, seventh or seventh or better or bust, uh, is kind of what we have been saying, because you do not want to be in a best of three. I'm sorry. Um, so you want to, you want to avoid that as much as humanly possible. So, uh, Minnesota United with the win and with the last few results, find themselves seventh, which is really advantageous place to be in. Moving forward, Saturday's game is a late one, 9.30 Central Time start uh, against the San Jose Earthquakes and uh, post loons. We'll be live following that one as well. Okay, Dom, what do you say we switch gears here? Uh, we are here. It is Wednesday. Yeah. Um, and you know what that means. Um, if you're here for the loons conversation and the loons conversation only, <laughs> this is the part where you might want to jump off, uh, jump off the stream. Uh, we appreciate you, but we're going to get into some 10K pitches talk now. Um, you know, we have college soccer going. We have the Gophers. We have the Tommies. Obviously, Sioux Falls City made a big announcement over the last uh, last week or so, which we will get into. Uh, but, Dom, I'm going to kind of let you drive here uh, okay. as we get into some of this talk. Where do you want to start? Um, well, we can start with Sioux Falls City. That's a yeah. that's a pretty big um, piece of news there that they, they've essentially announced an official commitment to the WPSL Pro um, project, uh, yep. along with five other teams, I think it was, um, they're, they're the only team in this area to, to be a part of that initial announcement. The implication was that there's going to be several other teams, uh, announced by the time, uh, that, that league would have started. Uh, but, uh, yeah, you know, big, big news for a lot of reasons. Uh, one that the WPSL is trying to launch a, a form of professional soccer is obviously a big deal in the first place. That's something that that organization has not tread into before um but obviously you know particularly professional women's soccer a space in the u.s right now where there's a lot of room for growth uh a pyramid that is largely unconstructed still and you're seeing a lot of other parties obviously the nwso and the usl um vying for for spots in that uh also big because i mean this is just big from a professional sports in the dakota's standpoint uh, this is not a state that in south dakota that has a lot of professional sports at all. Uh, certainly has never had, to my knowledge, a professional soccer team. If it did, it must have been 100 years ago because I've never heard of them. Um, and I would bet that they've never had a professional women's soccer team. So um, big news for for you know professional soccer, I think, in the upper Midwest. Um, you know, you saw uh, tweets from, I believe it was one of the owners, or talking about, you know, going to start doing scouting in a lot of the colleges in this area, a lot of the upper level colleges in this area. You think about the opportunities that might open up to, to players who are playing high level amateur women's soccer or high level uh, women's college soccer in the Midwest. Uh, yeah. I, I think it's really exciting news. Hopefully we'll have to see what this journey looks like. I mean, you know, hopefully this organization all comes together and gets this league going. Assuming that does happen though, uh, I think really exciting news for Sioux Falls, really exciting news for South Dakota and for, for women's soccer in the upper Midwest. Yeah, I think one of the things that that really excites me about this announcement is this could set a 
really positive precedent that you don't have to be a top 50, 100 media market to have a professional soccer team in this country. And you think about what that could mean for so many communities and so many places that you know, they could, you know, small towns, not, you know, smaller towns, not, not super small towns, but, you know, smaller markets could have a professional sports team in their market. Right. right? Um, that's, that's really exciting. And, uh, you know, Sioux Falls has such always been such an underrated soccer market. Sure. I mean, you you look at the, the they have one of the the most loyal American Outlaws chapters. They have one of the biggest um, you know followings of, of Premier League and European teams. Uh, you know, for for a, a town of their size, for a city of their size as well. Um, you know, look at the the Sioux Falls Thunder, and you know the kind of uh, you know support that they have been getting, and and obviously what's been happening with Sioux Falls City over these first uh, years as well. Uh, not even being a professional team but just getting such great support from the community and, and great followership and, um, you know, people coming out to games and buying their merch and just, just showing out for them. I think it, it's super cool. So, uh, yeah, I, I like the possibilities of this and, and the, the positive ramifications it could have moving forward for other similar markets that may have previously thought a professional soccer team, especially professional women's soccer team, was just so far out of the realm of possibility. Now it could be possible, and that's really cool. Yeah, for sure. Just just two quick things on that. I, I think the, the market point is a big one. I think when people talk about the development of of the culture of the game in the United States, I think that's a piece they don't always think about, which is that in virtually every other country where this sport is big, which is virtually every other country, um, you don't have to be a big city to have a team. That's yep. just not a thing. Like, I mean, and I'm not even just talking about England, which is the extreme where you'll have a village that has a team that's in like the fifth tier or something like that. But even, you know, most other countries that have, you know, professional soccer, you don't have to be a major city to have a team that is, you know, higher up in the structure. Um, that's just not a thing. That's really only a thing in countries that have franchise systems because that's how franchises work. Mm -hmm. um, and, and so for that door to begin to be unlocked, uh, in the U.S. And, and, and to some degree, that's happening also through some of the other uh, lower level professional leagues that, that now exist, uh, I think is a huge part of the puzzle uh, for yeah. developing the game here. Uh, and, you know, for what it's worth, Sioux Falls is a deceptively large place. Um, mm -hmm. it, it's it's not as small as it seems like it should be. Um, yeah, and, 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 and like you said, also, it's a city that actually, from my experience, is surprisingly pro soccer. Um, oh, 100%. Yes. I... Uh, I remember going to the Sioux Falls Thunder uh, in like 2018, and I was baffled by the crowd. It was like equal to a Med City crowd. I was yeah. like, what? Why, why have I never heard that they have <laughs> sizable crowds at these games? I always, always heard that it was just Duluth, Minneapolis, and Med City that had fans. Mm -hmm. not, not true. It's not true at all. Uh, the Thunder, you know, I haven't been to Thunder game in a while, but Thunder, at least back then, had quite a following, and I know Sioux Falls City certainly have a following. We've seen that uh, in more recent recent years. So, yeah, I think it's a city that's capable of embracing that. I mean, I, I think part of it is is a part of the framework to look at this stuff through. Is I, I think sometimes people will see, you know, Sioux Falls City joining WPSL Pro, and they'll think, so are they trying to be the Portland Thorns? And I, I think people have to learn that perspective of if, if back to the market thing, if a town or a city in this country can support a minor league baseball team which many of them do, that means they're capable of supporting a minor league soccer team. Absolutely. That means the money is, and frankly, in the long term, better investment probably. Yep. So uh, the, the math is there for this to be possible in the right places. And I actually think Sioux Falls has the ability to be the right place. So um, yeah, yeah, uh, I, I think a really exciting step for them. And, and hopefully this process as it plays out um, goes as well as possible, because I, I would love to see it actually happen and, and be a success yeah market size team success not necessarily correlated right yeah. i mean a lot of times not correlated you look at just look at mls as an example new york red bulls number one market nobody goes to their games uh nashville charlotte in terms of the markets that are in major league soccer close to if not at the bottom really good crowds so you know you, you think about you think about that as well as you know there's not always a lot of times not a correlation uh, between market size and team success. It just has to be the right people in the right place at the right time. 
And that's what Sioux Falls uh, City seems like they're doing, along with a lot of the other teams uh, who are making this commitment to WPSL Pro as well. You have Austin Rise and, and, and a few others um, who are doing that too. So very exciting to see what could happen with that uh, Division Three uh, Pro Women's League uh, potentially coming uh in i believe 2024 or 2025 so um be on the lookout for more information from that especially as it pertains to sioux falls here on the uh on the 10k pitches podcast uh but let's jump into some of the uh you know college soccer happenings Dom, we have you know season starting for both the gophers and uh you know tommy's men and women uh as well um you know d1 d1 sports getting off and running you know everybody's talking about the gopher football opener happening tomorrow night um, it's, it's that time for fall sports. You know, I think Nebraska had their, had their women's volleyball game at their football stadium, uh, today, tonight oh. that had like 90,000 people in attendance. Oh, wow. Uh, you know, that's so uh, all that to say fall sports is, uh, is starting. And obviously that means, uh, the soccer season is starting as well. Um, you know, Dom, what can you tell us about kind of the starts of these, uh, these seasons and, and how things are going for, for both sides? Yeah, I, I think we'll start with the Gopher women just because uh, they're, they're always uh, worth talking about. They've always got a lot going on, and they have, they've had a really good stretch uh, since the last time we recorded. Uh, I believe last time we recorded, we kind of mentioned their first couple of games coming up. But uh, in the last dozen days, they, they've had a lot of good results. They had a 5-1 win over Niagara. They had a 4-0 win over New Hampshire, both those games at home. Uh, and as a side note to this, if you want to see these goals, all or almost all of them are available through equal time through their threads. Um, they they did have a, a, a tough loss on the road, one nil to Milwaukee, but they rebounded pretty well with the two one or excuse me two nil win over Marquette, uh, also on the road. And now they've got a, a couple of games coming up. Uh, that one tomorrow actually uh, against Georgia. But uh, so what is that? Three wins uh, and a loss from those first couple of games, gearing up for the season. Uh, that just seems like a program that, you know, just continues to find ways to improve and grow, um, continue the momentum of the previous year and the previous year from that. Uh, it feels like every time that we've talked about them uh, since we've been doing this, that it's, it's always been even when the result isn't great. It's been a matter of sort of disgusting momentum and, and growth. So uh, very encouraging, I think, to see these first couple of games, mostly positive results, a lot of goals. Uh, very few conceded along the way. Uh, it just seems like the Gophers are sort of hitting the ground running and, and keeping the uh, keeping the train moving more or less from from last year. Yeah, and this is a big one tomorrow too. You look at Georgia, number twenty-two in the nation, so a ranked team. You're going on the road, um, you know, a big big environment for them, and then you come back home on Sunday and you're playing the crosstown rival in St. Thomas. So big weekend ahead for the Gophers after what, you know, we both agree is a pretty solid start to the, uh, to the 2023 campaign for the Gophers. Um, and, you know, again, if you guys are, you know, around at 5 PM central time on Thursday, um, Gophers and, and the Bulldogs should be a, should be a good one. Um, as you get geared up for the uh, Gopher football opener as well. Um, all right. Now let's look ahead to, uh, the, the Tommies here, uh, university of St. Thomas, obviously still kind of in their D one infancy third year, uh, in division one play for both the men's and the women's teams. But, you know, both teams looking to take big steps forward, especially the women looking to build off, you know, what can only be viewed as a really successful, uh, second season last year, um, beating a lot of teams in the conference, um, you know, can only, can only help their confidence grow. And, you know, again, both teams kind of looking to lay those building blocks for the future. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, they've had not too different from the Gophers. They've had a very strong start, albeit against some of the different teams. But, uh, you know, their first, uh, let's see, four games, they got a close 1-0 loss to Northern Iowa, but then they responded to that with a 7-0 win over Niagara, actually even bigger win than the Gophers got against Niagara. Uh, 4-0 Portland State win, and then a 0-0 tie with Western Oregon. You obviously mentioned that game against the Gophers coming up. Uh, after that, on the seventh, they have a game against Drake as well uh, on the road. Um, I, so it, it's it's encouraging to see, like you said last year, there there was certainly some real signs of growth with that program. Arguably, even more so, uh, at least in terms of results, than maybe even with the men's side. Uh, yeah. And so it, it is very encouraging to see. I think these first couple of games, obviously very early, but to see that they're getting those results when they are losing, it's very close. When they are winning, it actually is quite dominant. Um, so I, I, I think that leaves the impression that 2023 
uh, is going to, at the very least, carry that momentum from last year of growth and maybe even uh, have some some surprises, some positive surprises for the Tommy women, which uh, I, I think would be a great return for, obviously, the the investment in this transition that they've made, um, bringing, you know, D1 sports to to Minnesota in, in a new way, in an increased way. Um, so, yeah, very encouraging signs for them. Yep. And then on the men's side, uh, the team has only played two games, um, just just started over the last week, 2-1 loss at Northwestern, and then a 3-0 loss at University of Illinois, Chicago. So the uh, Chicago trip didn't exactly go as planned for the Tommies, but you know they have a few more non-conference games to uh, warm up for the conference season. They're at Stetson on Friday, um, then the following Monday, Labor Day at North Florida, and then the following Saturday at Stonehill. But these next two matches at Stetson and at North Florida um, are available on ESPN Plus, actually. So if you have ESPN Plus, you can actually watch the Tommies um, this weekend um, if you would like. Uh, but uh, again, the men's program, you know, they're, they're taking incremental steps forward. Obviously, we see the big leap forward the women's team took uh, in year two last year. And we kind of almost unfairly compare the men's team to that, uh, where that's, you know, the men's team is more kind of what you would expect and taking those incremental baby steps. But I think part of that, though, is going out and beating more teams in the non-conference. Um, sure. they, took, they, they got a few wins in the conference last year. Um, that I think really helped their confidence. And ultimately that, you know, as you grow, you know, you, you just want to keep finishing better in the conference. But I also think gaining confidence earlier in the season with good results and getting good wins under your belt in the non-conference season can actually help you achieve that goal of, uh, you know, uh, playing better in the conference season because you'll be you'll have those you'll have those uh, those wins and those building blocks to sort of build off of within the season. Um, so we'll see what happens over the next few games with the Tommy men, but, um, a couple losses to start out with, but, um, all in all very competitive as well. Yeah, for sure. I, I wanted to pull up quick because I recalled that the St. Thomas men's soccer, uh, account had posted some, some quotes from John Lowry, the, the head coach, of course. Uh, and just wanted, you know, quickly to add to this, you know, he mentioned, uh, through them, uh, on those two losses, two games in, and we showed real growth while also learning we need to start and finish games better. Uh, Five-day road trips are challenging, but real progress. Uh, and we do it again this week in Florida. Big appetite in this group for more. Uh, I think that re that reflects, you know, the reality of what they've been dealing with since making the jump. Uh, the growth journey that they're on is it, it's a lot about learning from mistakes, learning from losses. Um, you know, that big challenge that can happen with with that change of level is closing out games, second half performances. Uh, how you start the first 10, 15 minutes. Uh, and so, you know, he, he seems acutely aware of that. I think the group's probably acutely aware of that. Uh, it's just a matter of, of, of what, what math kind of leads to a, an answer to it. Um, but, you know, I, I think, you know, obviously just two games played, one of them a close one, uh, certainly, certainly worth keeping an eye on for the rest of the season and, and hopefully some, uh, some improved results along the way. 100%. And, uh, you know, we're just kind of getting deeper, deeper into the college soccer season here soon. It'll be conference time. It'll be Summit League play for the Tommies. It'll be Big Ten play for the Gophers. And obviously those games will have more and more meaning. And, you know, we'll we'll be covering those more and more on the podcast uh, as they move on as well. But um, I think this is the part where we say see ya. Um, I'm Jeremy Rushing from Allianz Field following a 3-0 Minnesota United win. He's Dominic Jose Bazonio. Um, thanks for sticking around for not only post loons, but the little impromptu mini 10,000 pitches episode that we just did on the stream here. Um, Dom, uh, we do this every week on the, on the show. Might as well do it now. Any, any parting words, any last words for the people before they go to bed? Um, uh, yeah, uh, just, you know, I mean, I, I think the last episode I might've mentioned this to some degree, but, uh, you know, fall means, uh, community sports are in, in full swing. Uh, particularly through schools, high schools, colleges. Um, I really encourage people in the same way that I encourage people to go out and, and, and put a couple of bucks towards and their, and their butts and seats towards supporting lower elite soccer. I, I very much encourage people to do the same for their local sports, whatever that may be for them, whether that's a college they attended, whether it's a high school they have a kid at or they're alum of or they're currently attending or whatever it may look like for you, whatever sport it may be for you. I very much encourage you to do that. Um, that support is, is part of what makes the, the cogs and these machines that 
get all these programs going uh, to, to continue to thrive and grow. So uh, I see that very much at the ground level now with my day job, and I very much encourage people to, to do what they can to be a part of that uh, and just support that local talent. That's without support for local talents, you don't get all the fun stuff that we talk about for guys that are and women who are you know 19, 20, 23, 25. You don't get that without them being supported properly when they're 14, 15, 16, 17. Uh, so you, you got to have both or neither. Uh, and so I support or I, I encourage people to, to show that support and be a part of that process. Um, yeah, that's why I got. I cannot echo that sentiment more, um, to be honest. That's that's 100% true. Go out and support your local community uh, sports teams as much as you can uh, this fall because um, they're the ones that need it the most. Um, we're going to end on a comment from Jake Schneider. Hi, Jake. Everton nearly getting knocked out by a League One team. Tough day, Jeremy. They did not get knocked out, Jake. They won. Scored two goals, mind you, as well. Big things, uh, there. Technically, first two goals of the season. Um, the front office is finally realizing they need be, they need better players. So, you know, we're on, we're, we're on the rise, okay? We're on the rise. We're going to finish comfortably 15th this year that's that's and that's fine that's all we need that is all we need uh in toffee land um and that's gonna be how we end this week's ten thousand pitches slash post loons little crossover podcasting that we just did dom so um i'm gonna let you go to bed um i'm gonna get out allianz field and head home so i can go to bed and uh hopefully you all rest your head on your pillow um you know with a smile on your face tonight after this 3-0 Minnesota United win. And again, we'll be back for more post-loons after the San Jose match on Saturday. He's Dom. I'm Jeremy. Thank you guys so much for tuning in, watching, listening after the fact, whatever you're doing. We appreciate the support, and we will see you next week.